Welcome to the Witty and Gritty Podcast. Hosted by Brooke and Farron. Your personal growth matters. And we're here to help. Before we get started, we want to give a listener shout out to... This one comes from B0729. It's called Growth Mindset. She left it on iTunes for us, so thank you so much. We love these. So here is what she says. If you're looking for self-improvement, guidance, and a laugh at the same time, then Witty and Gritty is for you. Such amazing insight from the hosts and their amazing guest speakers. You will laugh, cry, and grow alongside Brooke and Farron. Thank you, Witty and Gritty, for helping us see and harness our given gifts. Thank you so much, B0729. You rock. We love these. Yes, we do. And we'd love to hear your feedback as well. Be sure to take a screenshot once you've posted your comment and send it our way. We'd love to give a shout out to our loyal listeners. All right. And now to the episode. Welcome to episode 22. We're in our mini series discussing the book Grit by Angela Duckworth. We will go over part three. Growing Grit from the Outside In. So this covers the last chapters of the book, chapters 10, 11, 12, and 13. All right, so don't forget, grab that workbook. If you don't have it ready yet, no worries. We've linked it in the show notes for you. Okay, so just a quick recap. We've had the introductory episode, that was 19. And then we had part one, which was, what is grit? Why does it matter? And then part two, which was growing grit from the inside out. And now we're closing with growing grit from the outside in. And that wraps up the book. Yeah, so of course, you've learned what grit is. You see why it's important. You're developing it in yourself. And so naturally, you might find yourself asking, well, how can I encourage the people around me, the people I care for, the people on my team to also get gritty with me? And so that's what the... These next few chapters are going to um, answer is how to develop grit in others. Right. So chapter 10 is parenting for grit. So if you're not a parent or not a parent yet, that's okay. You can still have really good takeaways because what if you're a coach or you you mentor someone, whether you're at the top leadership status or not. So either way, you have people working under you, whether they're tiny humans or younger people in your or adults Roll. that still act like children. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless. <laughs> okay, that was a low blow. But someone out there knows what I mean. <laughs> They're vibing with me on that one. Right. All right, so I definitely remember this concept when I was growing up um, being communicated from my parents that, persi- let me try that again, persistence eventually delivers rewards. So, you know, if you keep working hard, You'll eventually achieve whatever you're working towards. The whole, you can be whatever you want when you grow up as long as you're willing to work hard enough. Right. It's kind of like if you're on weight loss or starting to work out, you don't even notice results until probably about eight weeks. And that's you just looking in the mirror like, oh, all right, hey, or a non-scale victory. And then probably about 10 weeks later, your significant other may say something like your face is looking kind of slim. And then it really takes about 12 weeks for other people who you regularly see to actually speak up and say, oh, what are you doing? So 12 weeks is a long time if you're trying to look for that quick, instant gratification. So just remember, it takes you however long to get into that position, so it takes you about that much time to get out. So give yourself some grace there. It is funny, though. Like, I find myself getting upset because, like, my own kids want that instant gratification, and I'm like, 
oh, why can't you just, eh. but then I'm like, haven't ate Oreos for like two hours, and then I'm like checking myself in the mirror to yes. see. <laughs> Ooh, that three, three Oreos less really has made a difference in the past two hours. Man, now I'm really craving some double-stuffed <laughs> Oreos. We'll have to get those for next time. So if you hear crunches in the background, it's Farron eating the Oreos. It could be. Possible. I really liked um, one of the first uh, stories she shared in here about Steve Young and how he was raised and the influence his parents had on his upbringing and eventually his success as a football player. Um, He pointed out that he didn't feel like they were being super hard on him And more importantly, he didn't feel like his parents were trying to say, do this so that way you can be just like me or fulfill my dreams that I was never able to achieve. Instead, he said they did a really good job of communicating that I'm giving you all I got, all the tools I know, everything I've learned so that you can be successful no matter what that looks like. I also like how... When in throughout the story, he traces it all the way back to a second grade anecdote. So this rough and tough football player in second grade, he was just paralyzed out of anxiety about going to class. And so you know what mom did? She sat in class with him until he felt comfortable enough for her to slowly start removing herself from the situation. This isn't us saying, go sit with your child, but they listened to what he was feeling. So sometimes kids don't they don't know how to, they don't know the word anxiety when they're eight, Mm-mm. unless they've been taught that term, which you can, and it takes time for them to understand it. No, but, they say things like, my stomach hurts, I have a headache. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like it, I just want to sit down. I'm oh. tired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anything that, so once they put the pieces together, and I, I think it mentions he talks to someone, and they came down with, he has separation anxiety, not necessarily from mom directly, but... Just that comfort of someone trusted. Mm-hmm. And then not having that person at all for 40 hours a week, extended day. Your brain's tired. You're working hard. You don't have that comfort. So, again, she went to class with him and then slowly pulled back, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Very observant of them. What I try to encourage a lot of the parents with students that I work with is you got to meet them where they're at. Um, and so that's really important, I think, when developing grit. If, you know, they're at the bottom of the totem pole and you want them at the top tomorrow, um, you're going to overwhelm them. Uh, Just think of that even in your own um, life. Somebody said uh, that kids are like adults. They just haven't had as many experiences yet. So they have the same feelings, but maybe can't contextualize them or interpret them differently Mm -hmm. because they lack the experience. Right. So just... As we move through this chapter, I encourage you to kind of recognize where your kid's at, and then from there, what's it's like the hierarchy goals that we talked about in the last chapter. Just like you're setting those hierarchy goals, low, medium, and high for yourself, you need to do that with your kids too. So start with some lower level goals that'll get them to where you guys mutually want to be, um, or even if they have their own goals, help them map that out. Right. There, so another part of the Steve Young story, he goes to play at BYU and wants to come home very early on, I think in the fall camp phase, actually, kind of like how we talked about West Point with Beast. Uh, so he calls dad, wants to come home, and his dad said, you can quit, but you can't hum- come home. I don't have quitters in my house. 
And so uh, Angela Duckworth was like, well, is your dad a tyrant or is this tough love? What is this? And, he, and Steve Young was like, this was absolutely a loving act. I know my dad's heart. He knows my heart. He knows that I just needed that push. Yeah, if he would have let him quit on that, then he would teach him that when things get hard, that's what you do. You quit. Um, so, yeah. I and now agree. look at him. Yeah, look at him now. Hall of Famer. You go, Steve Young. Yes. And, and parents. <laughs> and Team effort, really. Parents. Look at that. Yeah. So, um, throughout this chapter, she'll share different uh, parenting styles, but there's this overarching theme of a supportive parenting style and a demanding parenting style, and she argues that you can have both um, and still have kids that are gritty. Right, so there's a graph in the book, and it talks about the four different types of parenting. So I'm going to name them real quick. There's permissive parenting, neglectful parenting, authoritarian parenting, and wise parenting is what she calls it. Um, So if we're looking at the graph, it is an X and Y axis pretty much, and then the four quadrants are the four different types. So along the horizontal axis... I didn't realize, you know, I wasn't, I was using math terms, sorry. I am so (laughs) impressed with your math skills right now. Whoopsie. So the one that goes like side to side. The one that is horizontal, like the horizon, uh, (laughs) it's the scale of undemanding on the left and then it's going to demanding on the right. So we have undemanding to demanding and then the vertical line is supportive to unsupportive. So supportive is at the top. So if we're north, east, southwesting it, it's supportive, demanding, unsupportive, undemanding. I think I covered all the bases for if you like maps or math. or <laughs> So that's what that's like. So I in the four quadrants. A treasure map. Yes. <laughs> I can draw you one. It's fine. So we have supportive and undemanding. So you are supporting of your kid, but you're not really asking much of them. That would be permissive parenting. So yeah, do no. what you want. Sounds great. Yeah, don't die. Yeah. No, that's too so. demanding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one style of parenting. Then you have the neglectful parenting, which is undemanding, so you're not asking for anything from them, but also you're unsupportive, so you don't care what they do. Yeah. Oh, mom, I'm going to go out and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah, neglect is the key word in that, neglect. Right. And then you have demanding, so you do have standards, you do have boundaries, but then you're also unsupportive, so it's do this or get out. Like, these are the rules. If you don't come home with an A, don't come home. Mm -hmm. So that would be authoritarian. I'm not going to teach you or show you. No one taught me. Figure Mm -hmm. it out on your own. Yep, sink or swim. And I don't have any sinkers in my house, so... Yeah, so that would be authoritarian. And then there's what she calls wise parenting, which you guessed it, it's supportive and also demanding. So we have our boundaries, but we're going to guide you and love you through it. So it's that unconditional love aspect that's going to trump all the other things there. Yes, I really like this graph, and I think it does. It covers all the parenting styles that I've witnessed and you we've know, studied not- upon. Oh, yes, in our studies. So as usual, she poses a theory and backs it up with a ton of research. Um, One one study showed that um, teens who had warm, respectful, and demanding parents earned higher grades in school and were less likely to suffer from anxiety and depression and less likely to engage in delinquent behavior. So um, that was really neat to see. 
kind of something I already predicted and felt like that. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, glad there's research yeah. to back it up. But, yes, okay. that's what I love. Like mm-hmm. science is finally proving the things that we knew this whole time. Not me and you, but as in like what the Bible says or what we're supposed to do or the right thing to do. Now science is actually backing it up with facts. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Angela. And there is one other thing right underneath that study that I think a lot of parents miss. And it says, what matters more than the message that you're aiming to deliver is the message that the children receive. So the parents that are venting to me or asking me advice, they're saying, you know, I'm doing all the right things, maybe going through all the right motions. Um, you know, if it's kind of like when a kid has to apologize. And they're mm-hmm. like, sorry. And then you're like, no, say it again. And they're like, I said sorry, you know, right. but you can tell that that wasn't received as an apology. Mm-hmm. So parents that are trying to convey these messages, you really got to be aware and get some feedback on if they're hearing the message you're conveying. Right. There's a, I guess it was a technique that the Clickners talked about, and we talked about it at our church too. So Clickners, Joyfield Marriage, those guys back in the Enneagram episodes, they talked about if one of them says something, the spouse will say, what I hear you saying is, and they fill in the blank. So that kind of helped troubleshoot everything. So you can definitely do that with anyone you work with or have working for you. Mm-hmm. And then it gets into the discussion of emulate versus imitating your parents. And I kind of had mixed emotions on this. Um, I think I've had friends that absolutely did not want to be <laughs> anything like their parents obviously like there's you can think of situations where you would not want to emulate or imitate anything that they do but obviously this is under the impression that you know you have well like great parents like right. good people right um that are accomplishing really great great things i think a lot of people she asked are people that have grit and they want to be sure to that they can instill grit in their children, not so much people that lack grit. I don't know. How did you interpret all that? So I'm just going to pull the quote, and we'll go from there. So growing up with support, respect, and high standards confers a lot of benefits, one of which is especially relevant to grit. In other words, wise parenting encourages children to emulate their parents. So, again, the more you hang out with the wise, the wiser you become. So wise people aren't the authoritarian, the preachy, do this, very demanding, but not as supportive. But whenever you're using the wiser techniques, they're wanting to become more of that person. So as their personality develops, they it's just confirming that they want to be more like you. So yeah. over time. That, I mean, that's what I was yeah. thinking. I guess the difference between imitation and... Um, emulating a parent is yes. one you're just mimicking and the other emulating. I, yeah. I like strawberries because my mom likes strawberries. That would be imitating, but then mm-hmm. like understanding the purpose or why they right. do it. I want to be kind because I saw how kindness from my parents helped me. Yeah. Differences. And the way it impacted others and that's yeah. good morals and the kind of person I want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Back down to that motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to bring forth grit in your child, and, and this is after talking about imitation and emulation, it talks about first 
you got to ask yourself how much passion and perseverance you have. So this is where I was going with the whole, you know, you got to make sure that you have grit before you try to communicate that to your kids because your actions speak a lot louder than your words. It's kind of like someone trying to teach you something, but they don't know how to do it themselves, which I'm sure we've all experienced that one way or another. Like they're trying to teach you how to throw a ball, but they can't do it. Yeah. Or a boss wants you to do something, but it comes from a place of, here, look at me, I can do this, you need to do it too, instead of, hey, here's a problem, can you help me solve it? Or, hey, I notice you're really good at this, uh, can you help figure this out for our team or company? So, um, yeah, you, it, you can see through it when you're on the other end, and I promise you the kids can see through it too. Right. Um, so then it also says, how likely are is it that your approach or parenting encourages your child to emulate you? And I think the way to do this is to think out loud, demonstrate out loud, bring in an awareness to your child, right. because a lot of times they're thinking about Minecraft or whatever, and you're like, man, I hope they just saw that awesome thing I did, and maybe they'll do it too. So bringing it to their attention. Right. Right. Uh, I th- a thing that I know I try to do, and I and now reading this again, I want to do it more. Just talking out loud on why you're doing what you're doing. So, hey, we're cooking Dad a meal because he worked really hard today, and we want to honor him in that way. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, we made a spill, so we're going to clean it up with these paper towels. Here's how we do it, and talk about it. So I would say the more, plus, you're giving the kids more words, more vocab, and the more words your kids hear, the better readers they are, the better thinkers they are. So the more you can just give them the gift of speech and vocab, the better they're going to understand you and be able to understand themselves. I'll geek out a little bit, but I may be incorrect. I believe in education we call it metacognition. Thinking about your thinking? Yes, mm-hmm. thinking about your thinking. So when we model how to solve a math problem, the teacher will read it and they'll be like, huh, okay. So what was it, what was I being asked to do? Okay, mm-hmm. and then the class helps answer. And then, okay, well, what information do I need from the word problem? And so on and so forth. And so um, I like exactly what you said. Not only in what you do, but when you are trying to solve a problem. Um, again, some of the kids I work with, their thinking is, I don't know the answer, I must be dumb. Or, Mm -hmm. I don't know the answer, and now I'm going to be further behind, and then I'm going to have to take it home, and I'm never going to get it done. Or, I'm going to have to go to, you know, content mastery and get my work done, and I'm going to miss something in class. And so, retraining their brain to say, okay, I don't know how to do this. What do I do when I don't know the answer? And problem solving. That goes back to the fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just a recent example, we ordered food and brought it to our house, and I opened mine, and it was the order was not correct, and it was missing, like, the one thing that I was looking forward to, and we were sitting down, and I go, ugh, they got my order wrong, that's so frustrating, and I said that out loud, because I had been practicing thinking, like, the whole thinking out loud for the kids, and one of my daughters goes, ugh, that is so frustrating, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> and I was like, but you know what? It happens. We got to be flexible. So this doesn't mean my meal is ruined. It just means it's going to be different. Different isn't bad. It's still going to be delicious. Yep. Nice. Oh, no. (laughs) Nice. Undo it. Undo it. Undo it. Yeah. I mean, I tell them all the time it's okay to like feel frustrated and mad and sad. Mm -hmm. 
What do you do next? Yes. And um, we've read that in a few places in this book and then even um, back in the personal laws or 15 laws of invaluable growth. Yeah. And I like how you said, what are you going to do next? So I think that's a good tactic. If you have, if you're trying to mentor someone, you're going to hit up hit a bump in the road so what are you going to do next and you wrote a blog post I think a while back and it was do the next right thing mm-hmm. like if you didn't if you weren't sure what to do you feel overwhelmed you're not you don't know where to go do the next right thing so you might not be able to see the 10 steps in front of you but you can see the one in front just the first one so you can mm-hmm. do the next right thing yeah and just hearing you talk about that and some things going on um, with our kiddos another way to interpret that too is like you're gonna make mistakes Right, you're gonna do something wrong. What's the next right thing to do? So you don't need to make a mistake and follow it up with a, another. Again, kind of that negative self-talk going down those paths. Um, you're disappointed because your food's wrong, and now you're gonna be in a bad mood all night. Right, which maybe you are, but you're gonna hide that. I wasn't that time. Else. I made sure I wasn't that. <laughs> but yeah, so do the next right thing instead of making the situation worse with another mistake and another. Right. Um, Speaking of mentors, though, it brings up another point that, like, I've already believed, but it's great to see that research backs it up, too, is that um, your kids are being raised by several people in their life. And so one of those people could be a coach or a teacher, but these mentors can also help develop grit in your kiddos. Yes. So I think one of the things that resonated with me the most in this part was that Kids need a coach that's not you Mm -hmm. because you're already giving them the demanding support, but it's just so powerful when another adult says the exact same thing. I mean, you've heard it like, oh, I've never heard it that way. And you're sitting there going, I freaking tell them that every day. Yeah. And so like there were times, Farron, when we were coaching and Sloan, (laughs) Sloan would be upset or something. She didn't score or whatever. And she would try to come to me and I would redirect her straight to you. And you said the exact same thing. And she would do it. Yeah. Not saying that she's a disobedient kid, but no, it was no, no. powerful to have someone else in that position that we were the united front in what I said is the same thing you say. And since Farron's the boss, you're going to back her up and For do sure. it. So Even in the workplace, I'm sure there's people you work with that take feedback or criticism or request better from some people than others. Right. Um, whether that's a team or someone above you guys. Uh, and so the same is true when raising kiddos. Um, but again, some of our audience isn't, you know, a parent yet or, you know, might not be. Um, but the point is that look to see what other people can serve as that mentor. So if you are in a leadership role on your campus or at your job place, um, You might have someone else be a mentor to someone that you're hoping to help grow um, because they might receive the information better than if they hear it from you, which takes a little bit of like working on your pride and ego, but um, just another strategy if you find like, man, I'm doing the same thing, I'm doing all the right things, but again, how it's being received isn't what your goal is in communicating it. Right, and then so once you send that that person to help mentor that client or that other person, you can work on just the relationship aspect of it. So mm-hmm. all you're doing is putting in deposits. Yeah. So that way the mentor can actually make the withdrawal. Like, hey, you really need to do this. 
so do it. As opposed to you where you can be like, hey, I like your shirt or you're doing a great job. Whatever it is, a deposit is a deposit. So you can focus on that part. Mm-hmm. I really like the, the teacher study too where they, you know, just talking about feedback here. Um, they gave feedback to two groups of kiddos on a writing assignment. And one, they wrote back saying, I'm giving you these comments so that you'll have feedback on your paper. And then the other group got, I'm giving you these comments because I have very high expectations and I know that you can reach them. And so, um, sure enough, (laughs) the kiddos that got the second um, feedback saying that the person had high expectations and that they know they could reach them, that was the reason for their feedback uh, improve their writing a lot more so um you know is that a piece that we're missing whether it's with our kids or coworkers or people under us as us as leaders you know communicating why even though they might be grown and we think they should know why mm-hmm. um I don't think it hurts to reinstate that the whole purpose is because one I want you to be better and two I know you can I tell my kids all the time that, like, I wouldn't ask you to do it if I didn't think you could do it. Right. Especially when they feel like I'm being hard or what we're doing is hard. I, I tell them, if I did not think you could do this, I would not ask you to do this. I don't ask my 18-month-old to read because I know she can't do it, but I know Prodigy. you can do it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that would freak me out if she was like, well, in the dictionary. <laughs> Once upon a time. I read this word. Well, what's crazy is that just the difference between those two sentences you just read, the setting, the expectations, and I like how you said it's the why, because some people just naturally need to know why, because they're the thinker, they want to know, but I really like how it doesn't say, because, blah, 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 here's your why. It was specific about, it might say the word because, but... I have high expectations and I know you can do this. So you're giving factual information. So it's, it just blows my mind how a few words change the entire outcome over the course of time. So what it makes me think of like, what can I do with all of my words that I use, whether it's to my kids, to my spouse, to my coworkers that are going to make changes over time just because I'm phrasing it differently. Oh yeah. Even just the emphasis on different words, you know, there's tons of those little memes out there about like, let's eat kids and then let's eat kids. <laughs> let's eat <laughs> One of grandma. Them is murder. <laughs> let's eat grandma. All right, yeah. Anyway. I feel lives. like it makes more sense when you see it written out, but you know what I mean? I like it. I, it's just the power of that your words do matter and sticks and stones and that thing isn't true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> words can definitely break kids. They can make or break kids. Yep. And Just, and people. Have you ever sent them to do something and they they're like they come back with the most obnoxious thing and you're like, What? That's not what I said to do. And they're like, that's what I heard. Uh So just think on something, just like go get your socks and they come back with the mop. And you're like, (laughs) what? And they're like, yeah, I didn't think it made sense either. So on silly things that they like miss here. How many times have you gotten mops from your kids? Okay. Well, I don't know that we (laughs) Just the ones. I'm picturing like the old school mop with all Uh like the strands. Uh But I was trying to think of something that sounded like socks. I thought that was great. You do a great job over there. That's not the message I'm receiving. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, you do a great job because I think you're awesome and I know that you can... I have high expectations for you. Can I achieve those? Absolutely. Okay, great. 
No, just the point is that, you know, think about how many times your kids misinterpret things that you say that don't matter. I mean, then you could expect that the stuff that does matter could be taken um, a different way. Um, This chapter wraps up with a student um, giving feedback on his experiences in school. And he said, you know, it, it makes such a difference if the person that you're talking with, student, kid, coworker, what have you, um, knows that you care about them and that you know what's going on in their lives and that you truly believe that you can help them uh, get to where they want to be or if they're going through a hard time that you're there to help them through that, whatever that might look like. And uh, something else I've heard just in all this research on uh, students with lear- learning disabilities or going through trauma, we've had a lot of trauma training in education now, is that like they just want to be seen like they don't act like it and they try to hide but sometimes feeling unseen is just as painful as everything they're going through right so um, so that is social emotional learning so -hmm. if you haven't heard that term that might be something for you to maybe look into you can bose einstein condensates that and go down a wormhole forever but i think it is beneficial because then it is giving kids the words it is giving people the words on Mm -hmm. how to say how they're feeling. It's really important that she started with all these points because she can give you the best advice, but if your kid's not ready to hear it or you're not delivering it in a way they understand, then it's not any more useful than if you didn't have these tips and tricks. Yeah. (laughs) Way to go, Angela Duckworth. You rock. Okay, so that rolls us into chapter 11. So we just went over the parenting for grit, and now chapter 11 is playing the playing fields of grit. I definitely read it the first time as playing the field. Playing the field. <laughs> That'll develop grit. No, don't do that. Stop it. Stop it. The playing field of grit. Yes, that is what it literally says. Um <laughs> I feel like everyone's going to feel like we're really biased about this again, that, you know, having extracurricular um, activities helps your child develop grit because how many times have we talked about sports? Yeah. Or anything extra, anything above standard. So it doesn't have to be a sport. It can be, it can be making sure they do chores every day. Yeah. Or anything above standard. Piano lessons. Yeah. So there, you can, I think it's, um, there are a lot of families out there. I grew up in a family where you had to do something, um, athletic and something artistic, whether that was, I mean, we both ended up playing instruments instead of like drawing or painting, but we were, we did music and sports. That's interesting. Uh, my husband's family was the same way. You had to play an instrument and that was actually kind of more important on the front end than playing a sport. And, uh. I can't picture my parents at, like, a band performance or a choir concert or anything like that. My mom is very artsy. You can get to know her on her episode. We did we did private lessons. So Blake played in the orchestra because he rocked, but uh, I, I did private lessons, so I played for me. I yeah. Didn't, I didn't perform for people. I had to a couple times, and I <laughs> did not enjoy that. I I liked it as an outlet, so. Yeah, I mean, my highest musical experience was the recorder you get in third grade. Oh, we talked about this last episode. Yes. Three blind mice. But I was actually pretty bomb. I mean, I thought I was. Maybe I wasn't. But the teacher did print off, like, Disney music 
um, like we can music get a recorder. Sheets. I mean, I did learn how to play uh, just around the river bend. Yes, Be that's it. I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> what color recorder do you want? Okay, we've already received one for our kids, and I've hidden it. Actually, two, so you can get it. Better make it three. Oh, my goodness. What if I put a Pocahontas sticker on it, and then you could play just around the river bend? Let's see. No. Because <laughs> then I play, and the kids are like, I can do that. And well, it's they like, can get the harmony. <laughs> And then it's like, time to go outside, kids. They just need their 10,000 hours in it, and then oh, it'll be... 10,000 hours with someone else. Oh, gosh. Yes, <laughs> you could. Somewhere out there, someone is doing recorder lessons. Music teachers all over the United States. They're partially deaf, but <laughs> it's cool. Um, oh, So this, she just put it into words for me when she talked about how when kids are doing a sport or playing music or rehearsing for a play, they're getting to experience two things at once, a challenge and having fun. And again, a lot of the examples in here are with students, but a lot of times in school, it's challenging, but they don't always feel like it's fun. And other activities might be fun, but not challenging right. in a way to develop grit per se. Mm-hmm. It's that sweet spot. Gotta find it. And I didn't, I never thought of it like that, but for sure. I it was hard. Soccer was hard, but I loved it. So yeah. I would just okay, we're gonna run some more great. Good thing I love <laughs> soccer. <laughs> I do it for the love of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course again she has plenty of research that shows that kids that participated in extracurricular activities had better grades, higher self esteem are less likely to get into trouble. And that is because you don't have time. That's right. You're exhausted. Mm -hmm. But also because you're doing fun and challenging things at the same time. (laughs) I think to go a step further, that helps you with skills later on in your life. Like think about our lives right now. We don't get to just go to work. We also are raising families, going to church, doing our physical fitness stuff. Like there's, you're still having to juggle it all as an adult. So what better way to practice it when you're younger and you have a support system in place who's going to catch you whenever you need help? Yep. And, uh, you know, earlier in the last um, section, she talked about interest being an important part. And so being interested in the work you're doing can mimic that um, extracurricular activity where you're having fun with aspects of your job, even though there are also challenges that come with it. Yeah, and the challenge doesn't necessarily have to be an inward thing. Like, the challenge could be getting a group of people who have nothing to do with each other to work as a team. Like, if you're volunteering at a shelter, you've got to get all the volunteers on the same page to do something for the common good. So, that could be an example. Mm-hmm. It moved into some research that, I don't know, I didn't really think about. Um, but I was really interested once I started reading. It talked about the significance of being in an extracurricular curricular activity for more than a year yes that that was a very important variable and it does make sense that like if you're in something long enough you can see growth in yourself and progression Mm -hmm. and you can push yourself further than if you only give it a year um but I don't know did you do anything like for a short period of time and you're like nope (laughs) I'm Um, out well I took piano lessons pretty young and I didn't like I did not connect well with the tutor. I didn't like the setting. I didn't like... It was group piano, so it was 
weird and he would walk over to you like every once in a while so you didn't get I don't know I didn't like how it was set up Mm -hmm. I didn't like it but I wish I could play the piano right now so maybe as an adult I'll take lessons Hey, but there you go. I, I didn't like that, so I did it for like the duration of however long you paid for. And then I decided to switch. Yeah. I did karate. What? Yeah. I did not know this about you. This is I amazing. Did. Well, it was in Nebraska life. Huh. Yes. Um, my brother was doing it in Nebraska. It's cold, so you during the winter, there's like nothing to do. But karate is indoors. Um, and so I, I'm going to humble brag or just brag. Do it. I didn't, I didn't know this about you. This is amazing. So I think the first three belts are like white, yellow, orange. And, um, my, I have two brothers. I'm the oldest, but one of them is obviously older than the other. So I call him my older brother, but his name was Tony. It it still is Tony. Uh, (laughs) he was going into a karate tournament and he always brought home these were like really big trophies. He's, he did very well. Um, and so I was like, well, I want to do one. And so you would spar with pads, but I mean, you're actually like hitting and kicking and I beat an orange belt as a white belt. Heck yeah. Yes. And then I decided to retire at the top of my game. (laughs) Get out while I'm on top. Yeah. So when we moved to Texas a few months after that, after I started, I, I was out and I never really had the desire to go back. Okay, this is interesting because that explains why you were so good at MMA oh, when we did goodness. it. So me and Farron, we did MMA training, which was the most yeah. fun workouts ever. Yeah, cross training for college I, soccer. Mm-hmm. I That is the most sore I've ever been in my entire life. Yeah. Like, no amount of fall camp would make me ever that sore. Like I yeah. couldn't even kick a ball. After workouts, there was but you were so time. good at it. I was like, how the heck is she so good at this? It's yeah. because you had a karate background. You never told me. There was one time, the back of my arms were so sore, I couldn't even put my own ponytail holder nope. in. It was like having T-Rex arms. <laughs> it was, I it was bad. I couldn't get dressed. Yep. I mean, somehow. What, what I do you do? Cry. Oh, just cry. I guess my hair will be down for a week. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wash it either. I need someone to put my hair in a bun, and I'm not going to touch it. Oh, Brooke, will you do my hair for me? Always. <laughs> Always. But, yeah, basically, it's that it, the research showed that if a child participated in an activity for two or more years, then they were that much more likely to develop all those positive qualities of grit and um, you know, staying out of trouble and being more successful in school. Um, which makes sense. I mean, we've read before tonight too. Yes, it is late. Uh, <laughs> you know, that same thing with people that jump from job to job to job. So just, you know, there is something about having a commitment and sticking with something for a while. I think it's the whole, like if you're looking at your progress over the course of time in a line graph, for example, it is not sloping very much when you first start out. Number one, you've never done stuff like that before, so why would you be good at it? Of course you're going to be terrible. And so then over the course of time, I think muscle memory starts clicking and you start getting in a routine and the practice starts kicking in and then you're able to excel at a quicker rate. So that's what makes me think of that. Another researcher said this in a similar way, um, Willingham. He talked about a term he coined as follow-through. So again, staying with an activity for multiple years. And um, his research showed that follow-through was the single best indicator 
um, of hold, or predictor of holding an appointed or elected leadership position in young adulthood. Let me say that a little bit better. All right. The point is that if you had followed through, you stuck with something, one activity for multiple years, that you were more likely to become a leader um, in young adulthood. So yeah. I think some people get leadership opportunities really fast mm-hmm. and people like to come to their own conclusions as to why and of course it's some miracle or they know somebody or all these different things but um I love to see that hard work and dedication yeah and when really they've just been put in a leadership position at a young age and I mean I remember at one point telling certain coaches that I wanted to coach when I was older so they would bring me not bring me into meetings but hey we just talked about this this and this this is what I was thinking. I'm bringing you in the loop. And that made it so much easier going into it professionally because I'd already had all that experience, air quote. Yeah. And then you get opportunities to be a leader when you've been in an extracurricular multiple years because you've done it before. And you're naturally going to lead the newbies and the first timers. And so um, that leadership practice, like you were saying, is going to pay dividends once you get to. Um, a career or job field. Right. Um, I did think it was interesting, too, later in the chapter, it talks about there was no measurable measurable relationship with a teacher's SAT scores, their college GPAs, or interview ratings um, to the leadership potential that they had. So I feel like this is tying all the way back to IQ and does that Mm -hmm. equal grit. And so, um, again, it seems a little redundant, but still important to remind ourselves in this chapter that, um, again, IQ or test scores are not necessarily indicators of grit. So if you're raising small humans and they are doing well academically, uh, you can't just assume that they're going to grow up to be gritty people and that if they are struggling um, academically, that they can still be resilient and develop grit. Um, So I thought that was a good reminder. Yeah, for sure. So I like this part too. It talked about how sticking with your commitments requires grit, but it also helps build grit at the same time. Yes. So you didn't, it's not like you have to have grit first to then stick with something a long time, but by sticking with an extra, you know, the examples here are these extracurricular activities um, that you're also building grit in those moments. Right. Because it's hard. It's not easy to always stick with it. I, I liked how last week you talked about how some people who are going through a rough time or showing up to something they don't want to show up to, but they've made the commitment, and you asked them, how do you, how do you get through that? How do you do that? I don't have another choice. Mm-hmm. And just by showing up, even if you're, and that's one of the chapters. It was all about showing up. So even just by showing up, you're already developing grit. So if you're already doing something that you know that there's kind of an end in sight, whether it's you paid for a class and the class is almost done or the season's almost over or whatever it is, just by showing up and still giving it your best, you're developing grit. I mean, that's been an overarching theme through all of our, you know, life goals or, you know, wanting to have personal growth is um, if you wait until you're prepared, then you'll never start because 
you're, how are you going to get that experience or replicate those situations right. until you actually start doing it? You'll never be prepared if you never start. Be prepared. <laughs> yes, our teeth and ambitions are there. Oh my gosh. Blind this is a lot of Disney references. Man. Yeah, well, you did just get back, so. So, um, random parenting advice. One of my kiddos uh, is having some school anxiety. And you know what cures school anxiety? Tell is me. playing Disney music on the way to school because then you're not thinking about school the whole way there. You're singing Disney songs and we none of us can sing. But it's fun. Oh, mm, it's fine. Make and a joyful if, noise. If there's girl part, girl, I shouldn't say that. If there's, <laughs> there's, if there's parts of the song where the girls sing and parts of the song where the boy sings, arguing will commence on who has to sing the parts that the boy sings. That's why it's best to just sing them all at the same time. And well, it's that's hilarious. what I do. But Including they, the instrumental. And you just change your voice to a girl voice uh-huh. and a boy uh-huh. voice. Yep. Yeah. And the boop, boop, boop. Lots part. of octave shifts in that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, I 100% do that. I'll sing all the parts, harmony and the instruments. Is it good? No. Am I having a great time? Every time, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. For sure. Um, right under this, too, I put a big old check mark that it says, Personalities do, in fact, change after childhood. Yay! Man, there's hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just... It's interesting how sometimes certain things are solidified, but at the same time, your brain is able to change. So just because you are a certain way doesn't mean you have to take on all the negative qualities of it. You can change and adapt. Just because you're not a morning person now doesn't mean you can't change that over time. I remember at one of our first episodes, I was like, I'll never work out at 5 a.m., here I am, oh my waking up at four thirty. Not every, not every day. So there's I'm that still balance. So impressed. Uh, it's sloppy. It is sloppy. But it's done. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is not pretty to look at. I'm. A, I know I'm a hot mess at five in the morning. Mm. I a mess. Know. I'd like to wake up to. Join me. <laughs> Oh, if it. I if I end up what? having to do that Zumba oh, thing, you're gonna have to end on. up coming to. There's something else important to talk about. Oh gosh, in the book. All right, so this guy named Bill. <laughs> Subject change. Uh, <laughs> I see what you did there. I won't forget. This guy named Bill. He. Uh, <laughs> so maybe you've bought it, and you're like, okay, I get it. My kid needs to get into extracurriculars. They're not interested in, in anything. Um, he talks about how some people venture out into extracurriculars because their parents sign them up, a teacher recommends something, the counselor has some activities going on, and once they get started, then they develop um, a love for it or you know find interest in it, which, again, I feel ties back into everything we read in the chapter on interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you think of something that someone's ever suggested Besides waking up at four in the morning to go work out. <laughs> Don't eat sugar. Oh, yeah? And then you're like, I'm not <laughs> Screw that. <laughs> I hear you, fitness people, and you are right. I totally agree that a lot of sugar 
is not good for you. I meant like extracurricular. Oh my gosh, I thought you meant like things to improve our lives. No, let's so, get me not... having sugar is an improvement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay, funny. so what was your question? Because I okay, what so I like, heard was yeah. not what you said. <laughs> okay, for example, somebody suggested like, hey, it might be cool to like bike for exercise mm-hmm. and. I tried it and I was not about it. First of all, like if there's a curb, I have to dismount off the bike, roll the bike down, and then somehow get back up. Mm. And that curb might be like two inches high. And then it rubs in all the wrong places. And my back. Can I be any more whiny about this? I like it. It's fine. (laughs) So I get what you're saying now. So... The thing extracurricular is biking. So what does it fall under the umbrella of? Physical fitness. So what is another physical activity that I could do that is not as daunting as biking? It could be walking. It could be doing some calisthenic stuff. It could be Zumba. So you got to find the thing that you do like. And that comes back to what have other people tried? Let me go try some of those things. Or... What is the purpose of the bike riding? Is it to be physically fit or is it we're going on a family bike ride so we're spending time together? Okay, under the umbrella of spending time together, what are some other things that we like? Could instead of us biking, we go for a walk in the park or go to the park and climb all over the stuff? That's still being physically active as a family. Yeah. Have you ever tried an extracurricular that you're like... Fine, I'll go. And then it was just as awful as you thought it'd be. Zumba. <laughs> you haven't even tried <laughs> I yet. have gone before. Not with me. Like, uh, we make it. Does that make sense? Like, that's my uh-huh. selling point to you is it's still going to be Zumba. But you're going to be with that's me. Not a, that's not a knock against Zumba. No. I just, I feel <laughs> embarrassed. But why do I feel embarrassed? I will make you feel better about yourself, I promise. I just need to not care what other people think about my Zumba moves. You know what? I can't wait to so, go Zumba. I'm not here. a bad dancer. That's I enjoy the thing dancing. That's I think is like I, you're a great I dancer. I feel like I, I agree with that. But <laughs> I just don't... In my head, it's that whole perfectionist thing. Like, what if I don't do the right move at the right time? Everyone knows this song. I don't know this song. I don't know what I'm doing yet. So there's the issue, like the whole plateau at the beginning, and then I increase. So I'll have to go to Zumba over the course of whatever. I promise you I'll be worse than you, so there you go. You can be second to last worst <laughs> Thanks for taking one for the team. <laughs> right, I'm doing it on purpose. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, something that is not, um, doesn't need to be skipped over But another thing that I felt like was a known is that, you know, there is concern for students, kids that uh, lack the opportunity to participate in extracurricular activities. Um, You know, those uh, kiddos are going to, you know, hit bumps in the road just like all of us and they're not getting to experience or have that practice like we've said over and over Mm -hmm. of uh, running into challenges and experiencing challenge in a fun way and so um you know not as many opportunities there so I think to kind of combat that we could try to either find pockets of time you can do a weekly audit of your time so someone out there might be like I don't have any time okay well that giftings and and passions finder that we have that's a freebie for you guys 
there's a, an audit of your weekly hours and you can see where the pockets of time are. Like if you're on your commute, could you be listening to a book instead of just the radio or just music? Could you be listening to either a podcast that is challenging you or a fiction novel that's helping you escape somehow, like help to get your creativity flowing? So you could find pockets of time there. Or if you have to work all the time, you just go from full-time to part-time. What are you doing in your mind? Because you could be growing right then, or you could be doing something extracurricular somehow. So even if me and you agree to do something together, whether that's we're checking in with each other, keeping each other accountable, that's something extra that's above standard. Yeah, and something I thought of just hearing you say that too is, um, you know, if you kind of feel like you're at a plateau and not moving, I'm sorry if this is exactly what you just said. Rephrasing is important because sometimes I talk crazy. Yeah, if you just kind of feel like at a lull in life or like, man, what am what am I even doing? Are you? Do you have any extracurricular activities right now? Do you have? Are you exploring any interests like you would have as a kid or in the glory high school years? (laughs) Not so glorious, (laughs) but I'm gonna speak for myself on that one. There you go. But yeah, I mean, there are tons of adult league this, that, and another. I'm going to a crafting class tomorrow. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited for you. (sighs) I'm not a crafter, but you are amazing at this. I love that you love my crafts. I I really like (laughs) enjoying looking at them. They're so detailed and intricate but I never want to make one (laughs) I will look at your stuff all day but don't make me do it I mean I will I will for you but will you just come do something next to me and then we can still be together okay great so yeah I mean that's definitely some um sound advice there that you know if you're not still finding some thing hobbies or um exploring new interests uh with new friends or romantic interest partners I yeah. mean get out there or even something with the kids and you can model that like mom's never done this either we're all gonna try this for the first time it could be crazy that's why we're gonna get ice cream after <laughs> participation ice cream ice cream tastes better with my tears on it no. <laughs> <laughs> would you like sprinkles no my tears are enough <laughs> it's that salty sweet combo. oh my gosh um all right so we're moving into the end of the chapter and it kind of abruptly ends with sometimes just giving kids hard tasks that might not always be fun it obviously develops uh grit and so um chores chores is a great example Mm -hmm. um some of the researchers here referred to it as learned industriousness um that's a fancy way to say chores i'm just glad i said (laughs) it right the first time well done (laughs) but we had talked about learned helplessness so uh, in the previous section, and so that was the whole, if you can't solve your own problems, you're going to go through life potentially not being able to solve problems. So on the flip side, if you are challenged to work through tough situations, then that'll prepare you to work hard later in life when things get tough. Um, and then this kind of ties in right with what you were just saying is in her family, in Angela Duckworth's family, they have this thing called the hard thing rule. And it has three parts, but essentially um, the parents are modeling that they are doing something that is hard um, and difficult for them to do. Yeah, I like that. Lead from the front Mm -hmm. instead of telling people what to do. 
And the second part of it is that you can quit, but you have to see it like through this season if it's a sport. Yeah. The natural break is, yeah. I think, what she says. Yes, she a natural mm-hmm. stopping point yes. for sure. Which I think is good um, because you don't want to teach your kids. I think it's important to teach kids when it's time to walk away from a certain situation. Right. Um, when you know you've done everything on your end, and we can get into all that later, but because mm-hmm. um, that's still grit, you're developing grit either way, which is great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I just I don't know why my mind goes here, but even domestic situations, if they're getting to be violent or you know, in not great situations, you want your kids to learn. Okay, when have I done everything I can? When when do I know to walk away from a situation? So I like that she put in here that they are allowed to quit, but finding that natural stopping point. And then the last thing wraps up with um, choice, which is really important. Uh, there's so many studies out there that we learn about in the education world about engagement and choice. So if a student is given choice, they're more likely to participate. Um, just having that sense of control can really be empowering. And you can always love and logic that and give them two good choices. Mm -hmm. Do you want to play basketball or soccer? Do you want to play piano or drums? So you're giving them choices. Do you want to read or do you want to write? Both are good choices. Or you can give them a bunch of choices, but all all of them end up being the ones that are going to be fine. Yeah, and the ones that you're okay with. Yes. So... You know, if they want to do horseback riding, but that costs $500 every week and you have to drive an hour and a half there and an hour and a half back, uh, great job giving choice, but you want to make sure it's something that you can live with. It's conducive to the environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just thinking it through. So that ends chapter 11, the playing fields of grit, rolling on to chapter 12, a culture of grit. And man, you you can walk into a place and know whether it is or is not a culture of grit. Yep, pretty pretty right off the bat, just reading the room and people's mm-hmm. body language and conversations, for sure. And again, I mean, I love it. I'm not trying to act like a know-it-all or anything, but this is like... You're very the, wise. <laughs> well, this is the wisdom that we've heard, and we've kind of like, yeah, whatever, Mom, yeah, whatever, Dad. But it about the people you surround yourself with, Mm -hmm. um, you know, having good friends and making good choices in who you associate, associate yourself with in school, in the workplace, um, even with your kids, you want, you want to make sure you're paying attention to who they see you with. Um, because again, intentionally or unintentionally, consciously or subconsciously, they're imitating and picking up on everybody's behavior. Right. So my parents were both in leadership roles when I was growing up, and it's so I don't know whether this was, surely it's not by accident, but my friend group in high school, we were all the captains of the teams. So it was interesting that the people I wanted to hang out with were other leaders uh, that were my peers. So... Well played, mom and dad. So now i got to figure out how to do that for <laughs> my kids. Yes, we'll just have our kids hang out together. Deal. <laughs> uh, maybe we can find a sitter, and then that'll be even better. Yes. A gritty sitter. There. A gritter? Oh, look. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I could go on. 
Um, so again, the bottom line here is that if you want to develop grit within yourself, which was the last section, but also for those that work under you, those that you maybe work with, um, or your kids or nieces and nephews or kids you work with at the Bibles at Sunday school, um, you want to make sure that they're around grittier kids. So, um, surrounding them with the right people is very important. Yeah. And that takes some trial and error too. And sometimes, sometimes we have to make decisions for our people and they don't understand why, and they might not ever understand why, but that's our job to guide them. I think the hardest part's going to be when they're friends with somebody and those friends that they've been that they've known so long aren't the best fit anymore. Mm-hmm. And then um again, just teaching them when's a good time to walk away or, you know, just put up some barriers. Yeah. Um, some healthy boundaries there. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want them to identify like, well, my friend's gone down this path and we're best friends, so that means I'm going down the same path. Right. Um, I see kids at school. I, I mean, I get to... I love this chapter because there's just so much uh, practice I've got to witness. But, man, especially about that middle school phase. And they're not even making poor, poor choices. But you can see that the break is coming way before mm-hmm. they've realized it. Yeah, what's this going to look like in five years? Uh, what's this going to look like in ten years? What's going to look like after Christmas break? I don't yeah. know. Um, so... It's at least being aware and trying to walk them through it. That that helps. Yeah. I, I like the boundaries part, too, because you can easily just say, like, if it's a friend from school, uh, that's where extracurriculars are so important because they don't have time to go hang out with said friend because they have practice. Mm-hmm. And if said friend is not in something else, then that's an indicator that they're they're not on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um. So again, uh, it it brings it up here too. Don't wait to join a grittier group until you feel gritty enough to be around them. Um, because if you get in there when you're not as gritty, um, you know, the science and research says that you'll develop grit because of our natural want to conform to some degree. All my fours out there are like, no, I'm right. unique. I'm never conforming. Uh, that wasn't a dig. I admire that because I'd like to be accepted by everybody as the people pleaser. Um, But anywho, that, you know, if you get around gritty people, that'll help elevate your grit. It's going to be really hard to do that on your own. Right. It's like if you're the smartest one in the room, you're in the wrong room. Mm -hmm. If you're the grittiest one in the room, you're in the wrong room. You at least need to get some outside sources there to help bring you up to the next level. Which is challenging and out of your comfort zone, but it is every bit worth it. So in addition to the people that you surround yourself with, it's really important to take a second and reflect on how you view yourself. Um, It says that, you know, knowing who you are, that identity is also going to determine your grittiness. So if you say um, something hard comes up, and you're like, well, I'm the person that always quits. I'm a quitter. Then that's going to be really hard to um, develop grit. You're going to have to kind of rework that narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might get yourself around the right people. You might be setting the right goals with the lower, medium, and high goals. 
you might be doing all the right things, um, but you want to make sure that your identity lines up in that aspect. Right. You got to make sure what's in between your ears is matching up with what, where you want to go. So like you said, I, I mean, we went to a conference this past summer and there was a whole section on changing the narrative in your head. And I thought that was just so powerful from either changing the statement just a little bit to where it was, tomorrow's going to be better, to I, I determine that tomorrow will be better, or I'm going to make it better. Right. That's putting ownership on it. Or just even changing the narrative from, I'm always a quitter, to I can stick with this for until the next natural stopping point. Mm-hmm. That might just be a little tweak that is enough, and you put it on repeat. So when you're developing grit in those around you, it's really important to be mindful of what they're personal narrative man that sounds like english class (laughs) what their self narrative or self-identify how they identify themselves yes hitting all the subjects today (laughs) man we should be teachers or something i don't know you're right um uh it goes on to say too that we don't think through the consequences of our actions um which I thought was kind of interesting, but if you read a little further, it says uh, we don't stop and talk about the benefits and the costs. Um, Instead, we should be asking, who am I in this situation? What is the situation? I feel like I can say that better. So most of the time, we're looking at the pros, cons. Should I have this whole sleeve of Oreos? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What are the pros and cons? But instead, what we need to ask ourselves is like, Who am I? What's the situation? What does someone like me do in a situation like this? And so if your answer is, I eat the Oreos, (laughs) that's where you're going to say, no, I'm someone who has Mm self-control. I'm working towards bigger goals. I don't need the sleeve of Oreos, even though that was hard. Just because you won. In a (laughs) hypothetical. (laughs) So, again... Not, if I don't eat these Oreos, I'm going to be hungry, and if I eat these Oreos, I'm going to be happy. Again, looking at your identity and resetting your mind. I like that. I Mindset like shift. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Meant to be. For people who don't, who claim to be not good at singing, we do it a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> We're reworking that narrative. In You're right. I have fun singing. Maybe we'll sing better one day. or not um and so that this little section on talking about the costs and benefits it says the logic of anticipated costs and benefits doesn't explain our choices very well but the logic of identity does meaning it's off it seems obvious don't eat the cookies when you look at the pros and cons however whatever my identity is like I'm only happy if I eat this dessert, that's going to be more telling of the choices we're making. Right, and that can help you kind of dive further into why, even if it's something as simple as Oreos, or why am I responding this way when my kid does this thing? That's going to help you look more intrinsically to see kind of what's going on. Yes. So now we move into part of the book where it talks about the word grit versus this Finnish word pronounced Sisu, spelled S-I-S-U. And I'm just going to read this part because I don't want to define this incorrectly. Mm -hmm. It says, the Finns have something they call Sisu. It is a compound of bravado and bravery, of curiosity and tenacity. 
of the ability to keep fighting after most people would have quit and to fight with the will to win. The Finns translate Sisu as the Finnish spirit, but it is much more gutful, a much more gutful word than that. I like it. Yeah, let's go get it tattooed on our foreheads. <laughs> Maybe not forehead, but I totally get it. So I like, as a language kind of nerd, I do like how there are words that don't translate in other languages. Like that whole, that word Sisu needed three sentences mm-hmm. to define it for uh, English speakers to understand. So I like how it's this whole culture of we live by this. This is how, this, they're actually saying that it's the spirit of their nation, which I think is really cool. You can walk in and feel it mm-hmm. and also feel the cold. Oh, jeez, yeah. Goodness. So there's two powerful lessons that you can take from Sisu. And the first one is that someone, um, thinking of yourself as someone who is able to overcome adversity leads to a behavior that confirms that self-conception. Um, Rachel Hollis talks about uh, she is cheering at um, a marathon once and, you know, the runners are at, I don't remember which mile, but it's like the hardest mile, mm-hmm. the mental one that once you get past that, you know, you're, you're going to make mile 13? It. I don't know. That's I'm not a runner. Right. I'll have to ask Morgan. I feel like it's mile 13. But I feel like if I got past 13, I have a long way to go until I'm but, but I think it's like the last little bit. It's like the last 10 miles, your adrenaline will carry you. I'm like, ha, oh, where to heaven? <laughs> <laughs> where to heaven? Oh, oh yeah. Awesome. Catch me running a marathon. Yeah. I, no, I won't. <laughs> I'll let you, you will not be running. Know. You cannot catch me. Just Insta story that and I'll follow it later. <laughs> Um, so yes, her whole deal was that she was shouting out to the runners that you've been through something harder. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it, she says it way more elegant, eloquently, but the point is that, you know, when you're going through a rough patch, sometimes to help that self-conception, how you see yourself is to remind yourself that you've been through other hard times Mm -hmm. and made it through the other side. I, that is something I repeat in my head all the time. Like, mm, no, I've had way worse, so I'll be all right. I think I can survive the day if I've survived all this stuff. Having children definitely <laughs> helps me, <laughs> helps remind me I can get through hard things. And the second part is that sometimes the unimaginable, uh, something that seems unattainable or that we just can't make it, um, that somehow we do, um, So I know that there's been people that I've talked to that are going through some of the hardest times in their lives and they're still showing up to work. They're still showing up for their kids. And it's like, how are you functioning? And the response sometimes is, I don't have a choice. And while you might not think that you being in a similar situation would be able to get through it too, when you don't really have any other choice, you're able to achieve more uh, than you might think. Well, and even if you're in the valley right now, if you're listening, you clearly made it through the day before, so you can do it again. Whether, I mean, I, I vote rely on your higher power, but um, that you can get through it. And not that it'll be easy. No. And not that it'll necessarily get easier, um, but you can 
and we'll uh, get through it. Yeah. Later on in the chapter, it talks about the beep test and the Tar Heels. So the North Carolina head girls soccer coach, he is a lot like Pete Carroll with the way he has a culture of grit. So I want to be a fly on the wall during fall camp after reading what all they do. Um, He does everything from making them memorize different quotes all the way to the dreaded beep test, uh, something he tells his athletes before running. I know that we, we had to do that. A lot of people have to do that. If you are in PE in the state of Texas, you did the beep test as part of your fitness gram. So that's a random side note. <laughs> but um, it, the thing he always says before he starts the beep test, he says, ladies, this is a test of your mentality. Go. And I think it's interesting because the beep test, if you've heard it, you it's not necessarily an, of course it's endurance, but it's all what's in your head too. Like, can you make it to the line just one more time? And then you just worry about doing the next right thing. Can I make it this time? Can I make it this time? Can I make it this time? So I think it's just an endurance builder mentally as well. I think sometimes we forget to develop our mental stamina. Mm -hmm. That's what I was going to say too is I feel like a lot of endurance versus what's actually happening um, can keep us from going as far as we might set out to or like to accomplish. So, you know... I don't think I can do another one versus, no, my body's still going good. Um, Maybe you feel a cramp coming on, but you don't have a cramp yet. Keep going. (laughs) I I know this this sounds weird. Well, did you finish your thought? Okay. So I remember, okay, so there's something called containing to where you're in soccer. So if you're defending and you're containing someone, you're shuffling backwards a lot. And I just remember some of the forwards being so freaking fast. And in my head, I would just tell myself, well, just move your feet faster. And they would move faster. I'm like, what kind of magic is this? <laughs> so I thought that was really interesting how really your mind and body do work as a unit. And you can will your body to do amazing things. So I thought that was... I didn't, I've didn't. i never experienced something quite like that until that actually worked. And then I just always told myself that. I'm like, you can move your feet faster. It's fine. So, ooh. Did you get your Hogwarts letter and not tell me? <laughs> what is this magic yes. you speak of? Uh, and, and and it could have been all in my head. I don't know. But I felt it. Yeah. I think, too, like anytime you've quit something, like let's use running still as an example. Mm-hmm. Like a minute later, I'm fine. I've caught my breath. Uh-huh. I'm walking around. Uh-huh. And I'm fine. And I'm like, man... How much more could I have done had I not stopped? Um, So that's kind of what I use as a gauge to see if I really pushed myself. Not like, oh, I died. Great. I went as far as Mm -hmm. I could go. Right. But how quick is my recovery? And, you know, I don't like like leaving regrets when you have those opportunities to push yourself. Right. My only concern with when I'm running is that what if a dog chases me and my tank's empty? Like, (laughs) How, what am I gonna? Am I gonna shimmy up a tree? I guess so. Better find a tree or get on a mailbox because I can't run back <laughs> or faster. I remember thinking we have a whole episode on fall camp. Y'all should go check it out. But <laughs> I remember being sore and walking in the dark and like just you know around campus. And 
I'd be kind of limping because you're so mm-hmm. sore. And I'd have to suck it up if I saw, like, someone else walking around. Because I was like, I can't let them see me as the gimp one. Like, yes. I'm the weak target. Off. Yeah. Oh. So, yes. totally know what you're saying. Uh, interesting times. Not sure what to tell you about that one, folks. <laughs> Facts. Carrie pepper spray. Yes. <laughs> there you go. You won't have to run faster than crazy person or dog. You can just spray them. And there's that. Yeah. Pro tip. Side note, I did have to outrun a skunk once. What? He said just spray them. Are, are they fast? Like what's... Okay, they're fast when you're supposed to scan your key card to get in, and every time you scan it frantically, it goes like, and you're like, turn green, turn green. And then got in the little glass container, and he's like pawing at the glass, and you're like, dear Lord. You what? Are you them. in a telephone booth? Where uh, what? no at college like the dorm like they oh, have okay, at yeah, yeah. now where yes. they have like one scan entrance to get and in, a second entrance and then, yes. yeah it's like where were you well, with like the skunk I saw with the telephone the and it wasn't like lingering but as I kind of looked at it longer I was like it's not just moving it's coming towards me oh and so I hastily walked and then it was gaining on me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, this thing's really after. I didn't know skunks attacked. So, is it... Okay, were you jogging or sprinting? I need to know how fast these things are. I was just walking, and I saw something moving mm-hmm. out of the corner of my eye. And I was like, crap, that's a skunk. Be cool. <laughs> be cool, Farron, be cool. And I was, continued walking while watching it, and uh-huh. I realized it was walking, like, toward me. Uh-huh. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go faster but i don't want to get off give off the sense that uh-huh. i'm scared because uh-huh. then that'll only encourage him and so <laughs> pheromones is that what it's called yes yes and so i was like be cool but speed walk <laughs> and then he was still getting close i'm assuming it's a he pepe le pew sure uh, and so he was very close it's and French. so i had to take off running and i scanned it and i knew he was already gaining on me i had to scan it it felt like 17 times but it was probably only three <laughs> And you got to scan and then run to the door and scan. And, like, you can't reach It's and not pull. right, but, uh-huh. And then, I, you know, I had to pull the door closed because yes. it was, like, <laughs> Yeah. Anyways. Oh, I'm learning so much about you during this you recording session. You haven't heard that skunk story? No, I haven't. And then people were trying to leave the dorm, and I'm like, don't go out there. And they're like, why? You're just like, skunk with a vendetta. A skunk right there. <laughs> oh, my God. And then, I don't know. I made it. Somehow, I survived because here I am. Proud of you. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. So, it gets into more sports and we feel like you've been beat over the head with sports analogies mm-hmm. and you get it. And if you don't, that's okay. We still love you. Um, the chapter just ends with this idea after talking to different coaches and teams that the idea of being all you can be, whatever that is for you, So essentially reaching for your best. And so again, if you're in a culture where that's kind of the philosophy of the group, then that's going to help develop grit for you and grit for others. Good stuff. So chapter 13 is the last chapter in the book titled Conclusion. How appropriate. And in this section, she concludes the book. Bye. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) There are some more uh, visuals and graphs in there, which are really good. And she basically it just concludes everything we've been saying. So what's all, all been your biggest takeaway from this book on grit? 
I really like the facts. So it's it's just affirming what I have felt and what I was raised on. And now science has caught up with it. So that's something that I really like. Plus, it's fascinating to... We're getting better. Technology is getting better. Science is getting better. We can we know the brain better. So it'll it'll be cool to see what she comes out with next because this was written in 2016. So, mm-hmm. I think for me, I always perceived really like tough and strong people as um, that's who they were. That's who they've always been. And for some people, I think that's true. But it was eye opening for me that um, you can develop grit. Uh, I mean, I guess I knew it, but just when I first read this book, I was a little intimidated. Like, what if I'm not gritty enough to read this book? But that's silly nonsense. Right. I and, think it's just, oh, sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. I, I just like how everyone has a starting point. Mm-hmm. So whether you're gritty or not so gritty, everyone can grow. So it this book is for everybody. Yeah. And then the other part, too, as far as like you can grow grit and others... Man, being an adult, you just, you get it when people try to, like, not tell you what to do, but when you're a teen and they're like, you're not grown yet, what they're really saying is like, I've been through some stuff and you're gonna go through some stuff and I'm just trying to help you because, man, if someone would have helped me and, you know, I think about my kids and there's one that I'm like, oh, man, how are we ever going to develop this again I didn't have this word but essentially grit in you because some of the things that were so upsetting I was like you haven't seen upsetting yet and I can just picture them as teens the stuff that's gonna be really important to them that so you know has ruined their day derailed them and I'm like but you haven't even haven't seen hard yet Uh, but those are the moments then that we need to capitalize on and so be that supportive parent with those standards um, to help them, again, develop grit while they're still under our roof and before they fly the coop. A million percent agree on that. And Lisa Lett talks about that, too. Like, you want, you would rather, if they're having a rough day and this is, and they're eight years old and they had a bad day at school, they were made fun of. That is the worst thing they've experienced. So we have to learn how to handle that because if we can't walk with our kids through that and give them the vocab and give them the coping mechanisms and give them the ways to combat those things, how are they going to handle it in seventh grade when the love of their life breaks up with them and and repeat for bigger and other things that the world's going to throw at them? So we have to take the time to address it right then because to them that is the worst thing that could happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, we hope you guys got as much value out of this book as we have. Up next, we have our interviews. Yeah, so we are interviewing Farron's mother-in-law, Betty. She's a lawyer, and she's pretty rad. Yeah, she's really good at what she does. uh, Yes. Requires a lot of grit. Um, The scale, the amount she's accomplished, um, the trials that she's won, and the competition she's been up against, all while... Raising four kiddos. And yes. Man, just inspiring to say the least. Right. And then after that, we'll have my dad, Keith, and he's going to hit us with the parenting and kind of raising your kids up to be gritty. And we'll kind of pick his brain on that. 
And then we've got David Griffin, one of our preachers at our church, and he's going to talk about spiritual grit. So that one's going to be really good as well. Yep, we can't wait for y'all to hear it. Yeah, so tune in, make sure you grab that workbook, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Witty and Gritty podcast. Join us at wittyandgritty.blog, where you can subscribe to our newsletter, check out our blog, and listen to more episodes. We're here to help you become your best self with a community that cares. 